0: why did the Messiah come? That's what we're going to look at today as we continue to look forward to and anticipate the celebration of the coming of Jesus one week from tomorrow as we celebrate Christmas. But the question is this, is why why did he come? Have you ever had somebody show up at your house unannounced? Back in the youth ministry days, this happened more often than you would think, and, uh, you know, they they knock on the door and show up at your house, and you say, hey, come on in, and you sit down, and, and uh, you know, just kind of making small talk, and they're just kind of talking with you, and, and sometimes an awkward amount of time goes by before you're finally like, um, so why are you here? Um, and that's the question we're going to address today. Why? Why did Jesus come? In fact, it's a question that the Gospel of John probably addresses more than any of the other Gospels, and there are several times that John records the words of Jesus where he says, I have come, and then he gives a reason. He gives an explanation. And this morning, we're going to walk through five different passages in the book of John that John records, why Jesus came. And here's my prayer. Here's what I think will happen is that at least one of those, one of the things that we'll see today will hit you right where you are and you say, I I need that this Christmas. When I gather with my family in a week and we, we celebrate Christmas and we eat and we open gifts, I need to be reminded that Jesus came because of one of these five passages we're going to see. I believe there are people in your life who family members, loved ones who you're going to be with this Christmas, who as you hear some of these, you're going to be like, well, that's, that's, real, that's what they need. And this Christmas, I'm going to look for an opportunity to share this with them. Maybe they're believers and they're going through a particular difficult time in their life. Maybe they're not believers. And this will be a word that you will have that when you sit down, you, know, you may not quote chapter and verse to them, but it's a word from Jesus that you'll have to be able to share with them this Christmas season. Or maybe it'll be a coworker, or a neighbor, or a friend. But why did Jesus come? Let's look at how John records it. So if you turn with me to the Gospel of John, we're going to start in John chapter 6. And here's how we're going to go through this. I'm, I'm going to read the verse... And, and I apologize, we had some issues with the computer and the scriptures, so they will not be on the screen. You will have to go either paper Bible that you brought or have in front of you, or um, phone Bible, or just listen. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you can, though, to have a Bible in front of you or to cozy up next to someone who, who has it in front of them. So what we'll do is we will read um, the verse where Jesus says that, that he came. I'm going to give you kind of a synopsis or a statement that I think kind of encapsulates that. And then we're going to back out and kind of get a picture of, of the context and read a few extra verses along with it and really see what, what John is trying to record for us about the life of Jesus. So John 6, picking up at verse number 38. This is, these are the words of Jesus. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So the question is this, what exactly is this will that Jesus is talking about? Is he talking about the will of God in a a general sense? Or is there a specific task within the will of God that Jesus is supposed to carry out? And what we're going to see as we back up here, we're going to see that Jesus came to bring God's people eternal life. Now, for those of us who have been believers for a while, this is not new information. But a lot of times what we do when we read Scripture, when we celebrate a time like Christmas, is not that we get new information. It's that we stop and we remember and we internalize what God has already told us. We worship Him for what He has already given us. And the will of God that He's talking about is He came to bring me And you, and all that call upon his name, eternal life. Pick up now at verse number 37. All the Father gives me, and he's talking about people, people that the Father gives him. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father. He's he's explaining it again. This is the will of the Father. That everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, that may sound like old hat to some of us, but I want you to think about this. There are religious systems and beliefs all over the world that say, if you'll do this, and you'll do this, and you'll believe this, and you'll give money to this, and you'll do that, then maybe one of these days when life is over, Maybe you'll be one of the 144,000 that get in. Maybe you'll be one of the ones that Allah shows His kindness, if you could even put it that way too. Maybe, 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 maybe if you do enough good works and build enough good karma that maybe when you die you can be reincarnated into something besides a frog or a bug or a butterfly. Maybe you can work your way up to the next level. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And Jesus says this, I've come to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is this, that everyone who the Father gives me will come to me. And everyone that comes to me, I will keep and hold on to. And everyone that I keep and hold on to, they will have eternal life. It is an absolute promise of Jesus himself, that we don't have to hope or wonder or think that maybe we could be, if we believe in him and we trust in him and we repent and we are his, eternal life is ours. Eternal life is ours. Now, sometimes you read these verses and and you think to yourself, well, does that mean that if I pray a prayer and believe in Jesus that it doesn't matter what I do after that because I just, you know, I've got him? Not really what this verse is saying, and we're going to see it a similar verse here in just a moment. Here's what it is saying, though, is that if God calls you, if you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and you respond in faith, in repentance and give your life to Jesus, there is no demon, there is no devil, there is no person who can pull you out of the hand of God. No one can pull you out of the hand of God. Say, well, what if I just decide that I don't want to be God's anymore and I walk away? That's a different matter. Yes, we can walk away from God. We can, we can say, I, I don't believe anymore. I don't want to follow anymore. I don't repent anymore. We can change. But, but no devil or person or anyone can pull you out of the hand of God. If you are His and you are in Him, you have eternal life. It is the promise that Jesus... So when we gather around our Christmas tables here in in just a a week or a little more, remember this, He came so that you and I could have eternal life. We celebrate the fact that when we die, the death is not final, but we have eternal life in Jesus. Now turn with me over one or two pages in your Bible to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Or maybe for you, that's a little scroll on your phone. That's fine, too. John chapter 9, and let's read verse, start with verse 39. John 9, 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who see, I'm sorry, that those who do not see, my eyes are playing tricks on me, sorry. I keep skipping lines. Jesus said, sorry, for judgment I came into this world, and those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. What a strange thing for Jesus to say, right? I've come into this world to do this, that those who cannot see, they'll get to see, and that those who can see will become blind. What does Jesus mean? When he says he came into the world for this reason, what is, is he saying? Jesus came into this world to make a distinction between those that are his and those that are not. Jesus came into this world to draw a distinction between those that are his and those, are not, or those that are not. Look at verse number 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? So what's going on here? This is the encounter where a man that had been born blind had been healed by Jesus. And the man goes into the temple and begins telling everyone of all the wonderful things that Jesus had done, mainly healing him of his lifelong blindness. And the religious leaders say, whoa, 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 who is this Jesus and and what's going on? We think that he is a blasphemer. And, he's, and the man is like, I don't. Whether he's a blasphemer or not, whether he's from the devil or from God, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see. So let's just let's just leave it at that. They get so upset with him that they this man that has been healed by Jesus that they kick him out of the temple. Excommunicate him. You're out. Congratulations on your sight and all, but you're gone. And now Jesus finds him, and this is their encounter. And he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And do you believe in the one that that Daniel prophesied about the Son of Man who will come and rule over the nations? And he answered, and who, sir, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Well, who is the Son of Man? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, Lord. I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you see, we say, your guilt remains. So what's going on here? Jesus has come to to turn their religious order on its head. He would tell people later on, religious leaders, that that prostitutes and tax collectors are entering the kingdom of heaven before you, and that the religious leaders would stand with their arms crossed and and their critical looks and comments and eventually leading to the crucifixion of Jesus, all the while they looked the part of religious people. They looked the part, they wore the right clothes, they had the right vocabulary, the the nice religious vocabulary. Everything looked wonderful, and Jesus said this, I've come to turn it on its head. I've come to make a distinction between those who are mine and those who are not. I've come to take those who, who can see, who seem to be religious people, and to make them blind, and I've come to take those who cannot see and give them sight. And that day, that man... Did not just receive physical sight. See what John is doing there. The man had just received his sight, and Jesus comes to him and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, Who is he? And he said, Jesus says, I am he. And now his spiritual eyes come open, and he sees. Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of Man. He hasn't just received physical sight. His spiritual eyes come open, and Jesus says, I've come to take those who are not just physically blind to give them sight, but those who are spiritually blind and let them see me for who I am. Who are you going to come in contact this Christmas season, work or at home or among your family, who is spiritually blind Jesus came so that their eyes could be opened. Maybe this is the Christmas. Maybe this is the season. Maybe 2018 is the year for them that their eyes become open and they see Jesus for who he is, the Messiah, the Son of Man. Jesus came to do just that. And if you're here this morning and you're, you'd say, you know what, I I feel like my eyes are blinded to the things of God, but today, Feel something. The Holy Spirit is, you know, God is speaking to me. I'm seeing who God is. I'm seeing that I need Him. I'm seeing that He is my Savior. Jesus came for you for that reason, that your eyes could become open. Next, turn with me. It's just the next chapter. You may not even have to turn to John chapter 10, verse number 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what are we going to see here as we back up? Jesus came to protect his sheep from the thief. He came to protect his sheep from the thief. Look at verse number, let's start at verse number seven. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So the picture is like a sheep pen. And Jesus says, I'm the door, I'm the way that that the sheep come in and come out. I am the door of the sheep pen. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd Lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus came to protect the sheep from those who would try to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to protect the sheep and to give them life, to give them nourishment, to give them protection, to give them pasture, to give us what we need, to give us life that is truly life. And so Jesus says, and a lot of times when we read this verse or we quote this verse, we, we understand it in terms of, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we put that on, on the, the devil. And I don't think that's necessarily untrue. But when you read it, Jesus says that the ones who have come before me were thieves and robbers. He's referring first to false prophets, false messiahs, people that would lead his sheep, his people away. And in that way, we still live in a time of false prophets and false messiahs and false religions who would only seek to steal, kill, and destroy the sheep of God's flock, his people. And Jesus says this, I've come to protect my sheep. I've come to be the pen that, provides, that gives them protection. I've come to be the one who gives them good pasture and feed them and take care of them. And when we gather around our Christmas tables and we celebrate Christmas in just, just a few days, we remember this, that he came not just to save us, not just to forgive us our sins and to give us eternal life. He came to give us life while we're here. He came to give us a good life. That does not mean we're going to be rich or that everything's going to be fine or we're never going to get sick? No, it doesn't mean any of that. But He came so that we could live in His pasture, that we could be His people, that we could live under His shepherding and under His care. That's why He came, so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Now turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. picking up at verse number 27. Now, here's what's going on in the story. Jesus has come into Jerusalem. His crucifixion is still up almost a week away. He's coming in his triumphal entry. He's, had, he's, been, he's going to be welcomed into the temple. He's going to be given, you know, the roll out the red carpet of, of palm branches. He's going to be received well, but he's not going to leave Jerusalem until he's been crucified he's not going to leave until he's been crucified and resurrected this is it and here's what he says in verse 27 now is my soul troubled he's being celebrated but Jesus knows how the story is going to end he knows where, is, where this leads and let me just stop and right here Sometimes we believers think that if we're Christians, that the peace of God means that we should just always be, you know, happy and never be discouraged or never be troubled or never, it just, you know, we should, if, if, if we feel, um, you know, stressed or, or, or any of those things that it's, we've done something wrong. And we see here that Jesus, He's coming to Jerusalem, He's going to be executed, and His soul is troubled. But his soul is troubled for good reason, and God is going to encourage him through this. Now is my soul troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. For this purpose I have come to this hour. So he's praying, and he's saying, God, God what am I going to say? Save me from crucifixion? No. This is why I came. He came to die. He came to be resurrected. He came to ascend to the right hand of the Father. Jesus came to glorify the Father through His death and resurrection. He came. Jesus came. We say, well, why did He come? What are we celebrating? He didn't just come for what He could do, for you and for me, that we're so grateful for that. He came to point all eyes to the Father. He came to show us how great the Father's love for us is. He came to show us how merciful the Father is. He came to show us that we have a good Father in heaven who loves us. He came to point and to glorify the Father. And how did He do it? Through His death and His resurrection. Verse 27 again. We'll read to verse 30. Now was my soul troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd stood there and heard it, said, That it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, "His voice has come for your sake, not mine." So what's going on? Jesus says, "Father, I've I've come to this reason to glorify your name." And the Father speaks from heaven, thunders from heaven, that everyone can hear it. And the people who are in the crowd are are a little bit conflicted and confused. Some some say it was just just thunder. It was just you know, thunderstorm coming in. Others say that an angel is speaking to us. And Jesus said this that the voice was such that you could hear it for your benefit and for your purpose. Well, what sense does that make? Jesus has known the Father, has loved the Father, the Father has loved the Son from eternity past. Jesus doesn't necessarily need to glorify the Father for himself. He needs to glorify the Father for us. The Father is glorified to us. Jesus is showing us the glory of the Father. How? Through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension. What's that supposed to do? Yes, we turn to Jesus for salvation, and we're grateful for forgiveness of sins, but it also does this, it points our gaze heavenward and say, we have a good Father in heaven. We have a good Father in heaven. And sometimes people get this misunderstanding, and they, maybe they'll read the Old Testament and read the New Testament and think, oh, well, you know, Jesus is, the, he's the, the kind, you know, loving one who, who loves the people, and the Father is, you know, mean and, and commands all these wars to happen, and, and you know, the, the, the Father doesn't, isn't harsh toward us because he loves Jesus and that's not the picture that we see that Jesus gives us. He glorifies the Father. He shows us the love that the Father has for us in sending Jesus, his own Son, to die for us. One more. John 18. John records one more instance where Jesus gives us why he came to this earth. And now Jesus is about to be crucified. He's standing before Pilate, the governor, who will decide his fate. And John records this conversation between Pilate, the governor, and Jesus, the accused. And let's read verse number 37 to start. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus came to make the truth known. Jesus came to make the truth known. The writer of Hebrews records, in the past, God spoke to us our forefathers by the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The son is the, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And Jesus stands before Pilate and Pilate says, are you a king? And Jesus says, I've come for this reason, to bear witness to the truth to bring the truth forward, to make the truth made known and manifest. When we see in Scripture that there was this period in the Old Testament that the the New Testament refers to as a mystery, when they would look into the future and not understand. But what we see in the New Covenant is that we don't remain in a period of mystery. Mystery in the Bible is something that was once concealed and now has been revealed to us in these last days. And that's where we are, that's where we're living, that Jesus came to reveal the truth, to bring the lid off the truth, to show us who the Father is. Now let's read, picking up at verse number 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, now, now notice here, Jesus is not going to give him a straight answer, at least at the beginning. He's not going to give him a straight answer because Jesus is the king of the Jews. But Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? The answer would be no. Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting so that I would not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. And then Pilate said to him, Are you a king? And Jesus answered, You, you say that I am a king. And for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who listens to his voice, or who listens to truth, to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? Jesus came to show us truth, to show us who the Father is, to bear witness to the truth. And when we gather next week and we celebrate Christmas, we remember and are grateful that we don't live in a place of uncertainty and and confusion, Truth is under major assault in our day, if you haven't noticed. You can make up whatever truth you want it to be. Your truth can be different than my truth, my truth. And I don't even have to adhere to my own truth. I can just decide if, if I want my truth to be that there is no truth even for me, then it's just you just make up whatever you want. How confusing is that? Jesus said, I've come so that you can know the truth. I think that's where Pilate's getting at. Like Pilate's, his brain is just, you know, the Jews are saying this, and Jesus is saying this, and I'm just, What is truth? But Jesus came so that we could live in the truth and know the truth. When Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, he was talking about himself. It wasn't just some abstract truth. In that context, he is talking about, he's, he's saying, you shall know the truth, me, and the truth will set you free. Why did Jesus come? He came for a lot of reasons. But this Christmas, He came for us. He came to show us the Father. He came to give us eternal life. He came to turn the religious world upside down. He came to do all these things. And that's why we celebrate His coming. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you for sending Jesus. Where would we be had you not sent him? We would be walking in darkness with no truth. There would be no hope of eternal life. We would not know the Father. We would not know you. But you sent Jesus, and he came, and he was born, and he lived, and he died, and he came for us. And so we remember, and we worship, and we love you today for that. We said earlier that Jesus came to bring eternal life. He came to make those who are blind, blind to him, blind to the Father and to give them eyes to see. And maybe we have those among us today who you would simply say this, that's me today. My eyes have been closed to the things of God, but today God has opened the eyes of my spirit and I see him and I see my need for him and I see his love for me and I see his forgiveness and today I want to turn my life over to him. Today I want to begin a new start with Jesus. And maybe you did this a long time ago, but for A long time you've walked away from Him. Or maybe you've never, ever, ever done anything like this in your life. But today He's opened your eyes to see. If that's you, whether you did it a long time ago or you've never done this in your life, but today God has opened your eyes and you want to put your faith in Him. You want to acknowledge to God what you are seeing and understanding today. I want to give you the opportunity to take your very first step of faith. And it's just going to be between me, you, and God. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But it's simply in just a moment to raise up your hand and to acknowledge before God, I see you today in a new way. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness of sins. I want to live for you. So if that's you today, you're away from God, and you need him, and you need his forgiveness. Your eyes have been opened this morning. Well, no one's looking around. I want you to raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me today. I need his forgiveness. Yes, anyone else? You can put your hand down. Anyone? I need his forgiveness. He's opened my eyes to see today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand together. And I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And as I do, I want you to pray where you are. I want you to think about some of these verses that we read and maybe the one that hit you the most where, where you are today. Or maybe something that God said, you know what, so and so, over the next week, they need to hear this. You need to, you need to speak to them about that. Whatever God is putting on your heart, as I lead, you pray where you are. And this morning, if, for those that raised their hand just a moment ago, your prayer is this. Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. From this day forward, I want to follow you. You pray a prayer like that in your own words. I think what I said was magical. Pour your heart out to God. He's going to meet you here this morning. Let's pray together, all of